just to be once more. Yeah. 
Faithful. 
and we're going to go to prayer at this time and open the service. Brother Israel, could I ask you to come, please, if you wouldn't mind, open the service for us in a word of prayer. We don't have any written requests. We know there are many needs in the body still to be remembered. Amen. So let's just unite our hearts together. Brother Israel, if you would come, please. Heavenly Father, what a privilege again to come and to be found in this place, in your house, where we call our house, the house of our Father, where the bread of life is broken for our souls, where we can come and lay down all our needs, knowing that you are the one who takes care, who provides our needs, who heals our disease, who saves our souls. We are so thankful to you who has made it possible for every one of us. Now, Father, we come to worship you. And we want to do above what we can say, we can speak. We want to lift our souls and worship you. And we want to lift your name above everything. And we want to see you lifted up above our lives, our souls. So come in our midst and be manifested in our midst as the one who calls and who leads and who satisfies. Every need that is in here not, not uh, spoken up, you can read and you know everything, Father. Come and be merciful to each and every one of us. Now we are looking at what you have in storage for us. Oh God, use your servant to speak and use your children to hear. Give us the understanding and give us the revelation we need today as the great Melchizedek. Come and partake, Father the bread of life for every one of us. We pray that you be glorified from the beginning to the end as we give praise and thanksgiving to you, the King of kings, the King of our souls. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Maybe you could remain standing with me a moment. Let's just sing that chorus. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up. We're going to invite our brother Ray to come sing for us this evening, just as we sing this now. Go ahead and come, brother Ray. Fill my cup, Lord. Is that your desire? Oh, I lift it up. Lift it up, Lord. Oh, come and quench. Quench this thirsting love, my soul. In
evening, friends. I'm going to sing a common song that the Lord just put on our hearts. It's got to be at least over 20 years since we sang this song. It's, it's going to be in Shona. Hoping some of my Zimbabwean comrades will find a blessing as we sing this song. It's my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. We've been pressed lately, but we are trusting. Came across a statement the other day that at times the Lord lets you hit rock bottom for you to only find out that he is the rock at the bottom. So we want to say on Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. God bless you. Gandhi 
Diwanikwe Dina ye Di feke u Chene wake Di mire pa Bere pake Christo ibwe Di chamira Yika yose on Christ the soul lead rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand on other ground is sinking sand on Christ the soul Brother Michael to come at this time. We did just want to remind everyone of the young peoples this Friday. I think I said the wrong time at Sunday. It is at 7 o'clock. BCA will be downstairs over at the school. 7 o'clock this Friday, young peoples. Let's sing together. There are two roads you can take as our brother Michael comes and we turn to the ministering of the word now. Set your wings. Yeah, there we go. I think we know the words. There are two roads that you
There are two roads tonight. You just sang the verse, one by sight and one by faith. Amen. Take the word of God and what you believe will be. I ask you tonight, what road are you taking tonight? Set in your mind tonight, I'm taking the road of faith. I'm not taking what my eyes see tonight. I'm not taking what my body feels tonight. I'm not taking what circumstance says tonight. But I'm taking the word of God tonight. And I'm setting my eyes on it. Amen. We're here to have church. We're here to meet God tonight. We're not here for Wednesday night service. We're here to come into the presence of God. So that our needs will be met tonight. Amen. Don't struggle. It's just grace now. Let grace settle into the building tonight. As we now just let the Lord have his way. Brother Raymond, you sang the last verse. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Tonight, we're going to speak about being dressed in his righteousness. Amen. So the Lord has come and has prepared you for now him to speak to you. He's already, he's already, you don't even know it, but just through song, he's already setting an atmosphere and a tone. So now we say, Lord, what are you wanting to do tonight? I told Brother Murphy on Sunday, as we walked out the door, I said, what makes a special meeting, Brother Murphy? I said, is it the speaker? We came here on Sunday said, no, these speakers have all been special because they've gone abroad for special meetings, but just here, it's just home church. I said, well, is it the building? We've had special meetings in this building many times, but it's not either of those. It's your expectation that makes it something special. When you come to a special meeting, you've kind of just been waiting for it. You've been pondering on it. You say, what's God going to do tonight? It's going to be a special time tonight. So it actually isn't the speaker or the building or the date of the week or nothing, but it's you that make it special. Your expectation makes the meeting special tonight. So you're going to pull on the word of God and say, Lord, what do you want to do tonight to make this moment in your presence special, earth-shattering for my spiritual walk? Amen. He's here to do that tonight for each one of us. Amen. Why don't we turn to the scripture? Thank you, musicians. We're going to turn to Matthew 22. I really don't know what the Lord wants to do tonight. I'm just trembling really in His presence. Matthew 22, we're going to start at the top, right at the verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by the parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. A call was went out, a bidding went out, and they would not come. And he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Tell them which were called. Tell them which I beckoned and said, Please come. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. 
They joked about it. It wasn't important. And they went on their way, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. And saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready. But they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw that there was a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away. Cast him into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. Why don't we just pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, you're calling tonight. The master's call, the king's call went out to bid those to come to a marriage of his son. And Lord, tonight the call still goes forth. Jesus, I pray that you would come in this sanctuary tonight. Lord, you're already here. Lord, even now you're already calling. So Lord, may you speak your word tonight to your people. Comfort the brokenhearted. Mend and bind them up, Lord. Encourage the weary. Lord, we... I just want to tell you how much we love you. We thank you that we can come together to gather together and strengthen ourselves with your word. Not man's word, but your word alone is what edifies and builds up our faith. So Lord, we commit this service to you tonight. Thank you for bringing each one home that was abroad, but Tom and the many others that were traveling, we thank you. And now Lord, move as you so desire in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. A parable that we all know really well, Jesus spoke. Another scripture that I thought maybe I would just read, you don't have to turn to it. Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, But we are all an unclean thing, and all our righteousness as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. But if we go to the beginning of the parable, as I said, a call, the scripture says, a call went to them that were bidden. To the wedding. And I know many have probably spoken on this before, and you say, Well, Brother Michael, we've heard this parable many times, but the word's eternal, and so we're going to speak it again because maybe there's one that still hasn't been able to respond to a call. And so the call went forth, and I'm sure we've had many calls. I can imagine if we had a call from a dignitary or someone very specific or special to us, it would generate a fairly large stir. Uh, I can imagine, you know, we don't. I won't even say the king because I don't think anyone would maybe attend King Charles's banquet, but uh, maybe some would. I'm not too certain, but uh, pick, pick your poison. Pick whoever you want to, uh, uh, to put on the other end of the line. Maybe for you keener uh, financial people, maybe it's Warren Buffett or something like that. You know, if he called you up and said, hey, I'm inviting you for dinner. Why don't you come and uh, sit with me? I'm having a big do. 
and, uh, you know, invitation. Well, I'm sure if someone did that to you that, you know, was fairly important to you high up on your scale, I'm sure you'd laud that around your friends and you'd speak about it probably at every conversation you had just to ensure that they knew that you had been invited. Just checking, did you know that I was invited to so-and-so? You're like, yeah, you told me that 18,000 times. I know, I just can't stop talking about it. You'd be pretty, pretty uh, excited if somebody of a caliber like a king or way up there would, would call you. No? I'm sure you would. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't be so quiet on me tonight. You know, I know for the sports fans, the soccer fans, everybody has their person. But I can tell you, pick whoever you may, it just pales. It pales in comparison to who Jesus is speaking about in the, in the, in the parable. Because if Christ calls, who can but compare to that, who can, who can be above when Jesus calls and beckons and said, I have a banquet, I have a feast, I, I, I have a, I have a pla- placing for you, I have your name at a table on a seat, come. <laughs> That's what was happening right here. They, they, these were bidden. You say, hey, listen here, I've got your name tag. I've got one of them little, you know, uh, uh, whatever you call them cards, you know, tabletop cards. I know there's a special name for it. And it's got your name. It's engraved in gold. I've written it in golden ink. It, it, it's, it's there for you. And they, they, they made light of it. Incredible. Incredible. They made light of it and went their way. And to boot, they killed the servant that told them about it. It, it's, it's, it's incompletely, it just somehow doesn't even register in the mind. Brother Branham says the people that's got the Holy Spirit, they say, oh, the people that's got the Holy Spirit brag too much about it. <laughs> he says, we can't brag enough about it. He said, it's something to crow about. <laughs> I, I like that. That was my first quote on my page. I said, I'm going to put that right at the front end. We've got something to crow about. You walk out of here and say, I've got the Holy Spirit. He's called me to a feast. Amen. That's something to speak about. He says, we're invited to a wedding supper of the Son of God. It's worth walking on the street and testifying and telling every creature you come in contact with. Not, hey, Messi just called me to come for dinner. No, Jesus Christ called me to come for dinner. Come and dine. The master calleth, come and dine. Amen. He said, telling everybody that you're invited to a wedding supper. God Almighty has selected you from the slums of the earth. My goodness. If you went down to the bums of the street in Vancouver that just got kicked out of East End and you said, hey, you've just been invited. You've got a golden seat. You've got a golden plate. You're going to eat the finest dainties. It's there forever and eternity. <laughs> you know how fast he would take, think about that? That fast. He wouldn't even have time to think about it. He'd be there. He'd say, how do I get there? What's the transportation? What's the date exactly? I don't want to miss it. No, he wouldn't be like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Forget it. Some do. Some do. It's worth a hundred billion president's suppers to attend that supper. A <laughs> hundred billion. Uh, well, that'd be a lot. Amen. And if every one of us, my goodness, we would primp ourselves up and fuss on everything, honored to be going to such a place, and then you'd talk about it for years to come afterwards. Not just before, but you'd talk after. You know that dinner that I attended? Yeah, that was 50 years ago. I know, but it was amazing. You'd do that. You know, but if somebody called, I wonder. These days, if anybody called like that, would you even answer? Might not recognize the caller ID. That's an unknown number. Don't answer that. That's a random call. I'm too busy. I got too many things to worry about. 
You know, can you imagine if you missed a call like that and be like, hey, I couldn't get a hold of you, but so-and-so, you know, the queen called when she was alive, or the, let's just say the king for that matter, he called, he was going to invite you to the coronation, you got a front row seat, I couldn't get a hold of you, it's passed, they passed you up and moved on to someone else. You'd be like, what? You know, we get so many things that try and get your attention these days. A call for this, how many scam calls we get. My goodness, I put things on block notice, D&D &D silent mode, even block numbers. You know, I wonder, I wonder if anybody's put God's number on a block list. He calls. Ah, I don't have time. And he calls. I'll call him back later. Send him a voicemail. Maybe today it's that... A little custom message. Yeah, I can't talk right now. I'll call you back in five. I'll call you. I'll let you talk to me in next service. He calls. You know, in today's terms, you're texting. Anybody been ghosted before? <laughs> okay, half of you might not even know what that means. If you were texting and then suddenly they disappear and you're like, where'd they go? They just ghosted you. I know something maybe came up. Something happened, That's, there's some legit, but sometimes, no, they just downright don't continue the conversation because they don't want to. I wonder if anybody's done that. When the conversation goes forth, and like, ah, too close to home, and you ghost. That's today's language. Talking to maybe some of the younger people, because that's where you're living at. But I'm so glad that it's not a phone call. It's not... I don't even have it on me, good thing. I can't even bring it out. It's, it's not in that form, but there's a different call that beckons the heart. Amen? Brother Branham talks about it so often, and he speaks about an eagle scream that called, in no phone call that you just happen to maybe miss. No, God ain't relying on that. He was relying on something very different that's going to reach to the depths of your soul that is unmistakable and unmissable. You do get it, but you are the one who turns it off. Amen. I can tell you, though, a seed, <laughs> he can only do that so long. It's knock, knock, knock. There is an appointed time when a seed gets the call. His time when he starts to awaken, you have a moment. Amen. And he starts to call. And then Mama Eagle starts to scream and say it out. I've got, he's got your name. He starts to speak exactly what your heart desires. And I can think of that little old story that Brother Brandon, he just talks about it so often. And so it must be fairly important in its simplicity and in the din of the chicken clucking and the noise of this world. And there's, hey, I'm sorry, but there's a whole lot of chickens and there's a whole lot of opinions and there's a whole lot of stuff and it's everywhere you go, but it's just dinning out what your ears are really needing to be attuned to. Amen. You know, there's, you know, hey, get into realms. Anybody who goes to university these days, oh my goodness, all the, 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 the ideas and the, and the ideals that they're pushing out there. It's just a bunch of chicken talk. Well, there's no God. They're spewing it out there. It's okay to, to accept all this homosexual whatnot. It's, it's, it's just chicken talk. Uh, you get into talk with anybody in a, in a denominational realm where they'll tell you it's an apple or a trinity or this or that, the other. You just need to be, gets on your merits, you know, just be a good person. That's really all it needs to be. In fact, there's uh, so many gods. Just pick whatever one you want and you can just follow him. We're all going to go to heaven. 
Every chicken had its own thought, but there in the, in the muck of the pen, there was one, there's been one, there's many that have been listening. They're like, nah, they're trying to choke that down, trying to choke that little chicken scratch down. I just can't handle that. Anybody ever eaten something that just doesn't go down? <laughs> You're like, mm, I can barely do that. And that's what it is in the chicken yard. When someone's trying to throw some, some thought your way that you know it's off the word. You're like, I just can't swallow that. I, did just, I, don't know what, I don't know what the word says about it. Maybe you haven't even given your heart to the Lord yet. You're deep in some denomination or unsaved, but something just didn't sit right. It's because he was calling and you couldn't stand the chicken feed. That's really what it is. Amen. Oh, my miracles. Brother Bram says so long. Ah, the days of miracles are over. People still believe that today. Believe it or not. Mind-blowing to me. But they believe it. That miracle, You know, God don't heal like this anymore. That's chicken feed. No satisfaction. But I, Brother Bram says a call came forth. Screeching over the noise and the, and the squawking of a chicken. It's saying, come up a little higher. I'm calling. You've been invited to a dinner. You've been invited to with an invitation to my house. That's what you're here. That's what your ears start to be attuned to. You say, hmm, what, what's, I, I hear something a little bit different. Do, do you hear that? Hear what? I don't hear, I hear nothing. Don't you hear that screech? Oh my goodness. Get out of the way. Get into the barn. Get under cover because that's a hunter and he's going to eat us up. <laughs> you're like, mm, No. That's something calling to my soul. To the chicken, he's food. That, that's an enemy to him. Oh, no, you know, and I just thought, my goodness, I just thought, well, as you could hear in the yard, do you, do you hear that call? What do you mean? What do you mean, die for cover? He, say, he says, you know, that's a cult over there. They believe in prophets there. They'll, they'll, they'll kill you. They, they, you'll just be lost in some, some who knows what kind of religion. You're like, well, that, that's not what I'm hearing. I, I don't hear that. Isn't there prophets in the Bible? Isn't, isn't that what God's word was spoken through? Yeah, but you know, God doesn't speak that way. You go to Hebrews 1 and it, it tells, you know, that God in Sunday's time spoke through the fathers, but, but now through his son, Jesus Christ. Y- yes, but didn't it say in the scripture that he would raise up a prophet like unto Moses? Of course it's Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus Christ through every single one after that. Doesn't it take a prophet to reveal the word? That's called the eagle. And he's hearing something different. One is hearing, I'm toast. One is hearing, that's an enemy. The other saying, mm, that's the call. That's the call that feeds my soul. Revelation 22 says, And the spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him hear it say, Come. Let him that hath thirst come. Whosoever will, let him take of the water freely. Shed your own thoughts. Shed your own ambitions. He said, Mark 8, 34 says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, he said also unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. You got to put it all aside. Who cares what the chicken feed said? Who cares what they all said? Something started calling. Something started beckoning and an invitation has gone forth calling to come whosoever whosoever come freely whosoever just deny yourself though and follow me and the invite came come I'm the door I am the way I'm the truth 
It's through me, Jesus Christ. But Abraham says, and you try to climb up in your own moral stepladder or by some creed or some church, brother, you're going to find yourself the same way. He's talking about being not having a garment on. Every man that comes by the door is going to get the same robe, and the robe is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to put that real at the front here. The robe is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are robeless. Let's just say it flat how it is. Amen. And the call is coming to say, come hither. Come to my wedding. And then what happened is we go through the parable. They had to come through a specific door. And at the specific door, there was a specific one that was giving them a robe. And Brother Bram says, the robe is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No man comes to me except the Father draw him. You have to go one way. There's only one way. Brother Bram says, that barnyard stuff won't do him no more. He's gone. All things are possible. He gets up off the ground. He says, that's what's the matter with so many Christians today. They can't get their feet off the ground. Oh, mommy. He said, son, jump. You're an eagle. Come up where I am. Oh, I never jumped before. <laughs> I never shouted before. I never said glory to God before. I never could have believed for something like that before. Well, jump. All things are possible. There could be a first time and you step out and you say, oh, I didn't know I did that. I didn't know I could believe for that. Just jump. He says, well, you jump. You're an eagle to begin with. He said, you're not a chicken. So he made his first jump, flopped his wing, didn't do too good, but he got off the ground. You're like, hey, man. Hey, my, that's pretty good. You got off the ground. <laughs> Just try it. You might find it changes your service. Amen? Amen. We have catalysts like Sister Margaret who can then worship God and sing the praises of God and it's a catalyst of praise. I love it. Amen. Oh my. But I wonder how many heard the call but they looked at the garment. You know, they got to the door they started looking at the garment being handed out. And they're like, hmm, that's not quite for me. I don't really like that style. I mean, really? I got to wear that? You know, when they got there, they, 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 took the, they got so far, but it's too old-fashioned. That's, that's way too old-fashioned religion for me. I can't wear that. I can't wear what that Bible's preaching about. You, you mean I, got, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't go party and I can't do this? Oh, my goodness, forget it. I'm not wearing that robe. Yeah, I think I can design my own a bit better, have my own ideas. In fact, why do I need a garment anyway? And so you got all types. And you say, wow, my goodness, who would even say a thing like that? Well, Revelation 3.17 says, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods, it just happens to be your age that you live in and have need of nothing. I don't need that old garment. I don't need what that word is saying. I don't need what that prophet speaks. I got my own religion. I'll make my own fig leaf idea of what's happening. It says, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's who is saying that. Somebody that fits in there. I believe nobody in this building. Amen. Knowest not a deceived age to the extent that their garment is so stained and so tattered and so wretched and in its nakedness, considered nakedness before God. But it's not even known. They're like, what? This thing? It's amazing. Yeah, well, it's Swiss cheese and you don't even know it. Your own idea. 
filthy rags. What a mindset. Robeless to believe that you're adorned and fit for a king and really knowingly you're going in a different way. And so this guest came in through a back door. He said, forget it. I can go in some other direction. I really don't need to go through the door. I don't need to go by the way of Christ. And I surely don't want that robe that they're handing out. And so here he chooses to go through a different way. And he, 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 I can tell you this man or whoever it was, this guest didn't go in expecting to be thrown out. Like he, that would have been the dumbest thing ever. He actually thought that it was going to be okay. He didn't come there thinking I'm going to be going and it's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There's just no way he walked into that situation thinking that. He walked in thinking, I am fine. All is well. My idea works. My religion is perfect. And, my, and there's going to be no problem with this. He, that's what he expected. Amen? And he honestly thought this was his way. His robe would be accepted. Mark 7 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. He that doeth the will of my Father. He that goeth by the way, the truth and the life. He that goes through the door which is Christ. That's who will be accepted. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. What a terrible situation to be in. That's why over the pulpit tonight is just a warning. Don't be that one. Heed the call. Take the garment of his word. Don't be in filthy rags of your righteousness, for they are as filthy rags. But take the garment of the word and robe yourself in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm just preaching simple tonight. I ain't preaching deep things. What's the point of deep things if you can't even get through the door? What's the point of preaching to seals or church agents when you haven't robed yourself in Christ? And so this man was a clear representation if I could say, of the make-believer. Brother Branham actually says in one quote that he is a church-goer. So that just puts it where it really is. The unbelievers were killed by the king. They were the ones that disdained and thought lightly. But there was one who came, and so he was, as Brother Branham said in a quote, a church-goer. And so I thought, okay, here's the make-believer. Or I should say the make-believer mentality. The unbeliever, he's gone. But here's one that, who almost made it. He knew there was a wedding feast. He heard the call. But he had something that twisted his thoughts away from the original design, right? So he, here's his pre-wedding preparation. So, he, you know, he fit in. He talked the talk. You know, he could fit in the crowd. He could, you know, hey, you know, did you be in that service last night? Oh, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was wonderful. You know, they, they could talk the talk. They could, they could fit right in the crowd. But in his private life, it wasn't the case. I mean, when no one was looking... It was the filthy websites, or it was the gaming this, or it was, it was some, some, some vice of the enemy, whatever it is. You, you, you live your own life, whoever this might be pertaining to. Oh, there's a wedding. Did you get your invitation? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got, I, it's, it must be at home. I'm pretty sure I, I saw it on my desk there. You know, they, they could, they could, they, they're there. They're kind of talking the talk. They can speak a few of the message, you know, cliche lines. Well, you better have your you better have that invitation. You know, it's 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 really urgent that you have that and come to the door. You know, but well, you know, I, I got it. I got it. You know, there's no urgency. The make believer is not urgent. 
There's no urgent, urgent anything with a make-believer. Of course, everyone's going to be accepted. I mean, you know, why, really, God, why would he even reject me? I mean, I'm a good person, and I go to church and such. And so at the wedding, that's his, pre, that's his pre-wedding ideas, but at the wedding, you know, he, he, he looks, if you look at the, the spirit of this age, they're bold. The spirit of this day is a bold demon. I mean, it's in your face, flaunting the rebellious, sinful state in their ways. Everywhere you go, I don't care, you don't even, you, you, you don't, you're, you're trying to not see any, but it's on every webpage, it's on every news feed, it's on every person's talk, you go to the office, it's every colleague, it's in your face, it's a bold demon. But I hate to say, but this guest is doing the same thing because he's knowingly going in with his own thoughts of the matter, his own religion of uh, his own robe or lack thereof. And he's okay with that. And he's like, you're just going to have to deal with it. This is the way I'm coming. Just as bold. Here he comes at the feast. This religious spirit, I'll tell you. Yeah, like I said, just as bold because it's rebellious. And here he stands, he's going to face in his own way. Looks spiritual in some aspect. He's a church goer and he's like, I'm going to come. And, you know, uh, uh, he doesn't really care about the royal purpose of the, of the gathering. He'd rather that it be really be hindered. He's got, I'm going to present myself as maybe an onlooker and just kind of not really share in the, in the ceremony. And on the contrary, though, I'm going to show that really I don't really care about the business going on, but I'm just going to take what I can from me. And so he came with full exercise of self-will and self-love for himself and really resolved to yield zero respect. It's just body language. We just take body language. He walked in flaunting himself and his ideas and what he thought about the matter with all the guests who are there in their robe. And he's the one not in the robe. And so he's there. He has no respect for nothing. I'm just painting you a little picture here of the parable. And here we go, here he asserts his independence, his really his self-sovereignty, and he would show the king and even at his table where the king's bounties were so largely dispensed that he was really not afraid to affront him. Really. This was the case, and so the others were really cheerfully putting on their garb. He would not, and put his own, and resolved to really defy it all, and preferred to make himself fairly conspicuous, and, this, and the garment that it was intended to be given, that the king was giving, was to, to really make the wearer a participant. You know, all a part of the feast and, and, and to celebrate their joy with, with the king. And he was saying, I'm having actually no part of that. I have no I desire to associate myself with that. But Abraham says, then if the wedding garment is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how are we going to be represented any other way? If the first church age had to come by the door, Christ Jesus, and be baptized in the name of Jesus, receive the baptism, put on a wedding garment. If you come by Methodist or by Baptist or by Pentecostal or by any other denomination, you'll be bound and cast in outer darkness. You have to come by Christ Jesus, the way, the door, the truth, the life. Amen. Amen. I should button that one up real nice and tight. But this gentleman, you know, the scripture says to be in the world, but not of it. Unfortunately, he was doing that at the wrong place because he was in the banquet, but he was not of it. And so he was applying that scripture quite wrong. And here he was, he should have been of it and not just in it. Right? And here he was in body, but not spirit. (laughs) This This is where he was living. And I wonder how many people sit in church in body, but not in spirit. 
Amen. You got to be in spirit here because you want to be in spirit there. We worship him in spirit and in truth. So, Brother Michael, this sounds pretty harsh. Well, it's the scripture. Amen. And you say, could any person really attend a feast and seeing all around that he's really the odd man out and not really make a dash to fix it? Because the king hadn't arrived yet. It was a span of time. You surely don't think and look around and be like, man, I'm out of place. Any been, anyone been underdressed in a function? And you're like, where's the nearest door? Can you bring me a tie? I am short a tie. I, you know, give me a dress shirt, hon. Can you, I, you know, you're in a t-shirt where you should have been in a tuxedo. Anybody been in that situation? You're looking for a quick exit so that you can come back in the right way and be like, well, howdy. And they never seen you. Yeah. I've been in those types of places, and you really want to just get it changed so you fit in with the crowd. This guy wasn't fitting in with nothing. He was standing there. Why didn't he dash for the door and say, I got to go through the way? There's the garments there. They're being handed out. I got to get over there. I'm going and going around and coming in the right way. No, he didn't do that. It was premeditated, to be honest. It was intending to be this way. To wear his own garment. He should have ran to the door. Oh sinner. What's your needless delay. Is what the songwriter penned down. Oh fence sitter. The call to be robed. Why wait any longer. And here comes the outcome. As the king would have walked in. And the scripture says. In Matthew 22. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw there was a man which had not on a wedding garment. So the king walked in and was like, wait a second. He stuck out like a sore thumb. You say, well, there was one or how many there was. It didn't really matter. If there was one, he was going to see it. God is going to see the one out of place. You ain't going to be like, yeah, no, (laughs) just don't look this way. No, he's going to find it. There's no escaping. You know, scripture says, it says, friend, 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 how camest thou hither, not having a wedding garment? You know, that's the same word that Jesus used when he said to Judas, friend, the same word. This was known as a Greek, it goes into a filio friend, which he called his disciples, but it's a different word he used. It wasn't the same friend to Judas, and this isn't the same friend. It's the same class as Judas, make-believer. How camest thou? Where's your garment? Maybe a question I'd ask tonight, which is prior to this moment. (laughs) Where's your garment? What garment are you wearing tonight? Maybe just tuck that question in your heart. Maybe somebody sitting in their room would say, what garment am I wearing tonight, Lord? And this man, but Abraham says, was speechless. He'd come, maybe he'd say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm this or I'm that or I'm this denomination. Or, or, you know, he said that had nothing to do with it. Well, I believe, but Abraham was a prophet. Sorry. I believe I go to a message church. No, no one ain't going to work there. I grew up at home with Holy Ghost-filled par- parents. They had robes. He didn't come by the door. He failed to get a robe for Jesus said, I am the door to the sheepfold. And if you come, you can't come by the Methodist church. You're a thief and a robber. You can't come by the Baptist church. You're a thief and a robber. You can't come by the Pentecostal church. You're a thief and a robber. Does it get any clearer? 
Any other idea, any other way, any other form of your mind other than Christ, Brother Bram is your thief and a robber. You've got to come by Jesus Christ. I'm so glad for a clear word. There is no questions. It's like, well, how do I get there? Or no, you've got to come by the word. You've got to come by Christ. That's as simple as it can be. Amen. So I was would wonder, why would anybody show up with the knowledge that there is weeping and wailing? But Brother Bram said he come up man's way. He said, but God has a way provided. Amen? God's provided a way. And the way is Jesus. And when you come by Jesus, take on Jesus by spiritual baptism. You're dead and take on Christ by new birth. You're born again, filled with his spirit. And you know, and how you know? Because your life would compare with those of the Bible. So if you're questioning and you're wondering, does my life match up? There's how you figure it out. Does my life match up with those in the Bible? He says, those who, why, why can't people who claim to be Christians believe in signs and wonders or divine healing or working in the spirit? He said, the thing of it, they come in some other way. They come, if they come by the door, they'd be robed with the same kind of spirit. They'd have the same kind of life. They'd have the same kind of testimony. They would be the same people. That's how you know. God's people are the same. The same attributes are expressed. He says, but I like what Paul said in the way that's called heresy. So worship I, the God of our fathers. You might look insane. You might look weird to the people. But Paul said, so worship I God. If you think it's insanity, that's the way I worship. Oh, because he'd been robed in the same righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, so many people trying to get in, but they're not taking God's provided entrance. But he said, continues to say they received the baptism. He goes, if they, when the early church came to Christ, they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It made them a different people. It made them act different, live different. Their whole life was motivated different. They had different motives. They had different objectives. Everything was different when they come to Christ. I spoke a little bit ago on what's the difference. There better be a big difference between you and the world. Between a Holy Ghost-filled person and a non-Holy Ghost-filled person. There's got to be a difference. I think there should be a warning bell the size of liberty that should be going off right in your mind. You say, wait a second. Are my actions way too close to the world? Are my thoughts and my political ideas, am I so lined up with the thoughts and the ideas of the world? I would wonder, how different are we? Start to blend in with the world's thoughts and the way they tolerate certain things. And you start finding yourself working your way over here. Not so. If it's against the word of God, it should be crushing bells and saying, I reject that. Say, my world's ambitions against my ambitions. The world's views against my views. Oh my goodness, how about the world's looks and their fashions against my looks and fashionable desires? I'm wondering, it should be different. My goodness, I wrote down on my notes and said, let's get down to business. Because there's still time and the door is still open. And Christ is saying, I'm still bidding. Come. Whosoever will, come. I'm going to switch a little bit of a gear now. There was a girl one day, once upon a time, and she was a lovely little lady, young girl. And she had some trials. She had some difficulties. She worked hard. Her mother died. And her father remarried and with another woman with two daughters already. And so she got two stepsisters. She was scorned. and Really, she had to work more like a slave year after year. She labored. She grew up. 
under these difficulties. Her character was really being formed through these hardships. But she grew into a really beautiful young lady. What are you chuckling about? Okay. Well, all right. With a character that really her meekness, her responses were not of hatred, but pity and love. She'd turn the other cheek. She knew how to love her enemy. Humble and meek, little contrite spirit, little thing. But she was always just filthy dirty. Because she was always working so hard. She had a ragged appearance. I feel it out there. <laughs> You're like, where are you going, Brother Michael? You just hold on tight. All right? Hitch up behind me on the wagon. We're going to go for a ride. All righty, so here was this little lady, of course, she was smeared with cinder, and she'd always look really mucky, and so they, her name was Ella, but of course, because of all the cinder, they called her Cinderella. You know the story. You're like, how did Cinderella get into this service? Well, we'll find out. And one day, an invitation went out, and it sent out, and it said, come to a banquet. Oh, she wanted to go so bad. You know the story. You're like, well, I know this story. Okay, well, don't get too far ahead of me. And so she asked, of course, can I really go to this, this banquet? But as you would already tell me, that she was told no. She could never do that. I'll just tell you for information, this story's like 600 years old, okay? So you might think of some, it's a Walt Disney story, but it goes way back, way back into many other nations. It's one of the most prolific fairy tales. So just put that out there for you. All right. In very different variations, but I'll just give you the one that we know well. So here, she gets called to the banquet, and she goes, how could you ever go? You just look filthy and dirty, and how presentable would you be before a king and a prince? You're staying home. You got so many other chores to do anyway, you don't have time. And, and so she was scorned and ridiculed and, 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 and left aside. And of course, in her filthy rags and soot, you know, she, she couldn't even think of even, even attending, even if she had the time. And, and say, say, who would even look at you anyway? You're just some little common girl. And, and so off, off she was scorned off. But, you know, their stepsisters thought so much about themselves. And my, did they prepare. They, they had their idea of what they should be adorned in. And one thought that, you know what, blue is the best color of all. And the other thought pink was the best color of all. And you know, so they just adorned themselves in their own stepsister religion. My own dress design, my own way, I know exactly what he wants to see. Because when I walk in that door, all he's going to see is me and my blue peacock dress. He'll notice me in this, he'll accept me with that. And I wonder, as they adorn ourselves, what are we really adorned in sometimes? We adorn ourselves in our own ideas and we don't maybe really realize what we're showcasing in our attire. Maybe we're showcasing and we're robed in a glaring complex that just comes out everywhere we go. Maybe we're robed in some hobby that consumes us. Maybe we're robed in presenting ourselves in a profession that is all we eat, sleep, and breathe. Or maybe we're robing ourselves in our desire to be rich and famous somehow or some education diploma that we're shooting for and nothing else matters. I can barely get to church or, or because that's what I am and that's what you're actually robed in. Maybe you're robed in a bruise from way past and it just consumes everything you do, everything you think about, it's filtered through that and so you actually have a hurtful uh, outlook and you're robed in it. Maybe you're robed in some future dream or you're not content about nothing. 
And you talk about this, talk about that, and never content, never content. How come somebody has this? How come somebody has that? They do this and do that. And you never look in and you're just, that's what your robes. Because if you're presented, that's what consumes you. And you're presenting yourself in that way. And here they are, these two stepsisters with haughty surety, knowing exactly. No, did they ever ask? Did they ever wonder, you know, does anybody know what the prince's favorite color is anyway? No, they wouldn't even care. It's what their thought was on the matter. He's going to like what I like because I know what he likes because I know everything. That's, that's the idea that they were conveying. And, and so they, they didn't have an idea what was maybe going to catch their eye. And so off they go to a banquet thinking that they are going to now be the, the ones to shine and leave this one lane in rags and in nothing and, 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 and in despair. But there was a great desire in her heart. She said, oh, I just really desiring to be at this dinner. Uh, there was an invitation. How can I be there? And so here... This one that had grace and humility and respect and courage and caring herself. Really, she had the characteristics that had been formed in her, but she was not robed like a queen. She could act like one, but she surely wasn't robed like one. And so here, how she needed a garment that she could be presented with. Right now, it was just unrighteousness and filthy rags that hung upon her. <laughs> like, wow, Brother Michael, how are you getting here? It's okay. But Abraham says, you know, God usually puts us in the shop and trims us up. He didn't alter his robe to fit Elisha. He puts you through the fire. He puts you through some circumstances that starts to mold you and to make you and to put you through this situation and put you through that situation. And a certain sickness comes upon you because he's trying to mold certain characteristics. He's trying to mold a queen. And he says, I got a robe for you. But you need to be able to wear it. You know, I'm not going to alter the Holy Spirit. It's not going to alter the way his word is. He's not going to be like, well, you can't fit that, so mm, tear that one out of there. You can't fit that, so I'm mm, going to tear that one out of there. No, he's going to start molding you so that you can be conformed into the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. He says and that's what he does today. He alters us to fit the robe, not the robe to fit us. Sometimes we want the robe to fit us. Yeah, but we can't do that. He says, you got to let be altered yourself for the robe. You might be in a difficult situation, but let yourself be altered. It's God's robe and he made it perfect. He goes, he's got to bring us into that realm, (laughs) into a different realm. Amen. To make the robe fit us. We need to go into heavenly places so that that robe can fit us. Amen. Oh, she cried. Oh, she, her heart was desperately yearning. Some of you maybe were in the depths of sin and despair, but something was yearning. You heard something. You said, what is that? Where is that calling? There's only he can call. It's a deep calling to a deep. Amen. There's no way you could be in that state, ever have a chance to present yourself to the prince and you just in despair. How on earth can I get there? But then one came. A sent one came. She says, I know exactly what you need. And so this one in the story, of course, you would know, came, came down and she started to make a gown that she knew would catch the eye of the prince. And she started to create the gown of all gowns. It wasn't man-made. This was made from another place. 
It was of another fabric. This is from another realm. And she robed her in the way that she knew when she walked into that place. The only one the prince was going to see was her. We have an Eliezer. We have a sent one that came to robe us. Amen? To clothe you in a message. Amen? Just come with me now. An angel, a messenger, a prophet that came in this day to begin to weave a design. Amen? A layout was being issued to him. The exact color, the exact fashion that the Prince of Peace was going to say, wait a second, that's the only one I'm looking at. She's robed the exact way that I would want her to be robed in. Why? Because he was giving the design to his messenger. Amen. And in 1947, the first threads started to be weaved. We're getting some new gadgets for recording. (laughs) And the needle and thread started to move. Amen. Amen. He says, all right, start to weave my dress that I have for my queen. Start to show her she needs faith. Preach faith is the substance. I need that to be the first foundational garment piece of her wedding robe. Oh, preach her experiences. I put you through many difficulties. I put you through many situations, speaking of the messenger, but then speak to them your experiences so you can start with faith and start to build that robe up for my my bride. Amen. He started to put the base layers of faith, show that it's the rock of revelation that my church is built on, line upon line, preach believing God, preach of greater than Solomon is here, and he's starting to weave. He's starting to make the folds of the fabric. He says, I need my bride to know my redemption, that I'm a redeemer. I need, my, I need her to know, I need her to robe her, to let her know that I'm her Boaz. Preach Kingsman Redeemer. Anoint her, him to speak the word. And he starts to make more folds. He starts to make the bodice and all the different neckline area. He says, hmm, this garment, it needs to represent me and my word and my righteousness. And I need to make sure you use golden thread and, and, and preach Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. She must be adorned, presenting to the world that I'm still the same, that I'm still a deliverer. She must wear the garment that I'm the Prince of Peace. Preach as I was with Moses and the Eliezer's waving, getting a fad, getting a, a robe, a garment, a wedding garment, perfectly built for you and I. Wait, she must be a, a virgin bride. She must know why she, that she was born, why it had to be virgin birth. Preach serpent seed. Pre, let her know where what was wrong in the beginning. Let her know what the original sin was so she can walk in confidence to know why she must be born again. There must be some elegant, beautiful sleeves on this dress. Uh, she needs to know when she looks down who I am. I want her to remind her that my name is power. My name is healing. And let her know that I'm the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. Let her know I'm Jehovah of the old, Jesus of the new. Preach to her God's provided way. Preach to her God had explained. Robe my bride. I need her to be presented now. Layer 
after layer after layer fold. You know what? Expensive dresses, upwards to $30 million. Yeah, for a dress. Men adorn their women for some wedding in $10 million, $15 million, $8 million, $30 million dress. You think God's bride is going to be adorned adorned into anything less? Here, I need her to be presented. I need her to know that it's been me all this time, that I am God in Morphe. I need her to know that I've poured myself into Christ, and now I've poured myself into the bride. Preach unveiling of God so she knows who I am. Oh, wait. Oh, one really critical piece of that dress. I need such a gorgeous addition to it. She needs to know the mystery of my plan of redemption is revealed. She needs to be adorned. In it, and she needs to know that it's simple, yet it needs to be hidden maybe a little. Make this area of the dress just in simplicity. Hide it just a bit. Preach the seals. When she looks at this part of the dress, it'll be a vital piece for rapture. Oh, add another layer. Eliezer, keep weaving. Keep weaving year after year. Around the world he would go. Preach who is this Melchizedek. Add another layer. Preach Jehovah Jireh. Keep sowing, Eliezer. Marriage and divorce. Her gown needs some sparkle. Add a little bit of diamond into that design. And when she sees them, she'll know that I provided her a token. A place of safety. Wait, my bride needs a veil. It must be of the prettiest design. Sacred as it veils my very word expressed. Preach Christ as a mystery of God revealed in her. She needs to know she's my mystery. And God is urging Delivering and inspiring a prophet to robe you in a dress that the eye of the king of kings is attracted to. The Bible said his wife has made herself ready. But I'm speaking at the end of the age. How did she make herself ready? To becoming his wife? What does she? What, does she? what kind of garment She had on his own word. Dressed in his righteousness, that's right. It is right. Oh, this needs to have a little touch of elegance. I need her to feel like she is my masterpiece. So preach masterpiece. And let her know what she means to me. Amen. Wait, Eliezer. There's an intricate, I want a little intricate design. I want a little rose of Sharon. Little design on her slipper. Each step she takes so that she knows I'm her guide. As she walks, she looks at, for I am the Rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. And so she can look at that each step she takes. And maybe the last message, preach leadership. Because I need her to come and follow me. You have been robed. And he has wrapped up the bride's garment and has given it to you. Are you putting it on? (laughs) My, wouldn't that be terrible if some young lady had a $30 million dress, because it exists, and she's sitting, looking at there, sitting on the couch, 
And she has her wedding day coming, and she says, hmm, I'm just going to go with my jeans skirt and T-shirt. I don't think so. But that's effectively what's happening. And I can tell you, when she went to the wedding with her jeans skirt and T-shirt, it'd be like, what? No, pause. New day. Not happening. It would be postponed. It would be a bad, it would be a terrible ordeal. No, it ain't happening. I'm telling you, that's maybe on the earth, but that's not what's going to happen. It'll be like the one because you won't be robed and you're walking past on your iPad or on your tablet or on your bookshelf and you're walking past a $30 million times a bazillion of your garment that you need to wear to be at a wedding feast. Oh my keep your eyes on me now. Preach leadership. I know we preach communion, but as a last and final message, it was leadership. And he says, don't lose focus. It's going to get difficult. It's going to get very, 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 very few, but keep your eyes on me. Amen. Amen. I want to be robed in a design that he's going to see me. So I want to robe myself in what he wants me to wear. Amen. Because when I walk through heaven's portals, he's going to be looking at his bride who's wearing his garment. Amen. Amen. Now the age is past. Some are missing layers of fabric. You go back in the past, past ages, they weren't fully adorned. They're missing some layers of fabric. They didn't have everything. They didn't have the revealing of the open word. Something more needed to adorn a people. Brother Bram says, just so you think I was maybe off there, in the days of Wesley, days of Luther, it was thought to believe in the days of Wesley, the chemistry of the blood, but it was in the last day where the token is required. That makes the together the whole unit for rapture. You see it, water, blood, spirit come when a mother gives birth. The first thing breaks, normal birth, water, second blood, next is life. Then comes the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, water, blood, and life. And the whole church, the bride together, has been made up through justification, sanctification, and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the token. Amen, we know this. And in Hebrews 11, it says, all these who wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins and was destitute and all these things, they were done, yet was not made perfect without us. Amen. And the church in this day that has received the token of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the blood has been shed and the Holy Ghost is upon the church without us. Catch this. Then they could not raise. Think about it. They could not raise. That's powerful in my books. They are depending on us for God promised he would have it and somebody is going to be there. They're depending on you. They can't raise without you adorning yourself in this token. No rapture without a people who aren't adorned. Think of it. Say, hey, don't hold us up. Get adorned. We're depending on you. He says these people who died in here are depending and waiting on us. So this church has got to come to perfection in order to bring the per- resurrection and their souls under the altar. This church, you see, is coming smaller in the minority. <laughs> it's a whole lot sharper than that. He's speaking about a pyramid. But just like I write that cross there, it's come to a needle point until the church in the minority has got to get to a place until it's the same kind of ministry that this left. Because when this headstone comes back, it's going to be exactly the way Christ's ministry was. Amen. They're depending on you. 
we must be robed in his word. Martin Luther didn't have it all. He was missing some layers. But God's weaved the final layers in this day and called you with an eagle scream to say, come, put on my garment. I don't want no substitute. I don't want no artificial garment. I'll skip, I'm going to have to skip a bunch, of, a bunch here because we are already there at the end of time. <laughs> Not quite that end of time, but I wish it was. I'll even call musicians. That'll even put the pressure on me. How's that? <laughs> you know what this robe? I think of Ruth, the Moabite. I'm just going to skip a few things here and go just like a skipping rock. But I think of Ruth as a Moabite. He was a heathen, filthy before Israel. Really, I'm sure, tried to be inconspicuous as possible as she gleaned with others. She was really a scorn. She was, she was scorned by others. But when she, when she became connected to, she was Ruth the Moabite, which was a scornful term, I'm sure. Because it just deemed, she was from, Moab was a bad deal to Israel. Just think Balaam and that sums it all up right there. And so that's what she was, a Moabite. But as soon as she became part of Boaz, when she became part of her redeemer, it removed all the stain. When you walk into the door of Christ, when you put on his robe of his Holy Spirit, all the stain, all the issues, all your complexes, all your past, every situation you have, it's forgotten. It is gone. The scripture says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. I don't really care if you have some complex now, if you have some issue that happened way back in life and you are still living with a stain on your life, in your mind, through God's eyes, when you are redeemed through him, he doesn't see no stain. He doesn't see no past issue. He doesn't look at that thing. He said, oh, but I can't forget that. I did that so long ago and you've lived your life through it. The stain is gone. She became part of him. No longer did they call her Ruth the Moabite, I can tell you that. She was part of him. She was Boaz's. Oh, that's Boaz's wife. <laughs> that's exactly who she became because Boaz cast his garment over her as she came into the night and laid herself down in his feet and he placed the garment over her and did the kinsman redeemer's work. That's exactly what he's done to you. He has called you. He has beckoned you and he's put his garment over you and there is no stain. Rahab the harlot was known as a harlot but when she accepted a token, when she accepted God's word of the hour, when she received those messengers who preached her the word, what did she become? Salmon's wife. She no longer became Rahab a harlot, but she became Rahab, lineage of Christ. He's a stain remover. Put on these robes. When you read through Hebrews 11, David didn't receive a robe when he crossed over, and he's like, oh, what are those spots? What's that blemish there? Oh, that's actually when you murdered Uriah. I couldn't scrub it off. That's actually when you committed adultery. I, that was a deep stain, David. I couldn't get rid of it. Abraham, oh, what is that? Oh, Abraham, you lied twice. <sighs> Sorry. 
I just couldn't do it. Jacob, sorry, it's your deception. Samson, why you laid with Delilah, gave up your, your, your vow. Moses, why you murdered. I mean, what do you expect me to do on that rope? You struck the rock. I said, speak. I mean, you broke all types. I mean, look at that. Is that what it was? Is that what it was? Oh, no. No, because when they walked through the blood and they placed the robe of his righteousness on top of their unrighteousness, when they looked through the robe, there was no murder. There was no adultery. There was no deception. They're like, this is the spotless, clean bride. Oh, my goodness. Look at this robe. There's no stain, no spot, no fault, nothing. You wear the same robe. He's given you a robe of pure white. When you look at your past, he's like, uh, sorry, but it's through the blood. You accepted my token, and you wear it now, and you are no longer stained. It's unrich been removed. Satan would like to tell you that it's an unremovable stain. He'd like to tell you that your sins, though they're scarlet, they will never be white as snow. But you say, sorry, Clorox has nothing on the blood of my God. Because when he died at Calvary and he shed his blood for me, I wrapped myself in the blood of Jesus Christ and he has removed all stains. You walk out of this door tonight, there's no condemnation, there's no past, there's no nothing in your mind that should hinder you. Wrap yourself in the word of God and say, I only need one scripture. I need one Roman scripture to say there is no condemnation. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of our God. I'm sorry, musicians. I wanted to tell you, he sees no fault. He sees no blame. He sees no blemish. None remain. That's a song Brother Ryan wrote. I love that song. But you are not just robed in this way. You're not, that's just not the only benefit of the robe that he's placed on you. But the scripture says, because I'm closing, trying. The scripture says in Kings with Elisha, when Elisha received the robe... Brother Bram speaks the, the, the service, secondhand robe. He said, he talked about him adorning himself in the robe. And the scripture says, he'd ask for a double portion. Amen. He said, keep your eye on me. Elisha saw him. I'm just blazing through here. And the mantle fell from Elijah. He did see him go up. And he had asked for a double portion. That's what Elisha had asked for. He says, if you see me, it's a hard thing. But if you see me, then you can have it. So what did Elisha have to do? He had to keep looking. He couldn't get his eyes off of Elijah. You cannot get your eyes and say, Lord, I don't care what you have to ask for him tonight. Keep your eyes on the word. Do not get it on a circumstance. Do not get it on a symptom. You've got to keep it right there. What road did you take this morning, this evening? The road of faith or the one you saw? You've got to keep your eyes in the eyes of faith. And like Elisha looked only at the word. God did didn't just give a word for purity and strength and powerful to have no effect. He didn't give this. That had all these abilities just to sit there and be a form of godliness and no power. No, uh He says, I provided a garment for a purpose. 
Amen. And he's looking for a people that he can put his robe on who will take his robe that he can then give his power to. You say, really, Brother Michael? Yes, really. Brother Branham says, my brother, don't you be afraid to ask God anything. You must. Now, I'm quoting Brother Branham. So if you think I'm out of line, you take it up with a prophet. I'm gonna, just going to say what he said. I'm not going to change any word, okay? He said, you must demand God or ask God for anything. This is exactly what he says that he has promised. For if I am introducing a God that's omnipotent and all-powerful, and if I be a servant of God, I must do the works of God. And if I do the works of God, I must demand of God to bring these things to pass because he is demanding of me to produce the impossible. I have to ask him. I have to call upon him and stand there and say, God, You promised. He's demanding of you. He's speaking about himself. Demanding me to produce the impossible. Can Brother Brandon produce the impossible? No, he has to call on his God and say, God, you promised. So do you, every person. His words. You. Don't now just say, well, that's Brother Branham. No, he said, now you have to stand there and say, God, you promised. You shall receive power, Acts 1.8, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. After you have taken in this robe of the Holy Spirit and wrapped it around you. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you. After you're robed as a Christian. After your faith has set in Christ. Then you shall receive power. There you are. He said, it isn't Goliath that's hindered me. He said, the thing that's hindered me is a lack of faith. I said, Lord God, may the faith bank tonight be so powerful that there is no hindering. No hindering. After the, after the disciples saw, saw uh, healing after healing after healing, they didn't wonder whether God, Jesus could do it anymore. They didn't be like, well, here's the tenth lame, or here's the thousandth blind. Is, it, is he going to heal him? They didn't wonder. They had assurance. He's done it once. He's done it twice. He's done it ten times times ten. He'll do it again. Amen, Sister Margaret. If he's done it before, if he's healed the blind, he'll do it again, EBA. They might have had some question when there was the epileptic and they didn't know how, they didn't have faith. But when they saw Jesus heal that demon-possessed one, they said, okay, nothing's on the table. Wait a second. He had to go to Lazarus' grave. Well, I don't know. I mean, all the sickness, but, but really raised from the dead, can this be? But after that, after they saw Lazarus walk from the grave, they said, now everything's off the table. He can do anything. Can our God do anything? So then what does he need to do tonight? What's your need? (laughs) That was the beginning of service. What's your cry? What's your mountain? Much too high? Mm -mm. Because with God, all things are are possible. Amen. Why don't we stand? Oh, I have so much. I wanted to go to it. I just pray. I wonder if the Lord is wanting to do something tonight. He's given us scripture. I know hindsight's 2020. And he's given us actually scripture so that we can have 2020 faith vision.
We don't have to wonder. You don't actually have to wonder if the lunatic was healed. You don't have to wonder if the lame was healed. You can just read his scripture. You have 2020 faith vision right here because he's done it before. I thought, Lord, can't we just be like the disciples who walked with you along the way and instead of wondering, they're waiting. I can't wait to see his expression when the leprosy falls from him and they just stood there and waited and they saw the skin become clean like a baby's skin and then he started to rejoice and then the disciples started to rejoice. They weren't wondering. They were waiting. We don't need to wonder. We don't need to wonder. If he can, can he? Will he? Won't he? He can. He will. I do believe that Jesus heals me now. I said, Lord, if you'd bow your head tonight, if you had a need on your heart, he said, Lord, my prayer tonight is I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to do your wondrous work in my life. Maybe it's a call. Maybe you don't even have the robe on. Maybe you, 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 you've heard the call. You've come to service after service. You've heard him speak, and you've put the text on hold. You've canceled the call. But tonight he's saying, no, 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 don't. I'm an eagle screaming, saying, come unto me. I know you're heavy laden. I know you have burdens. I know you're weary. Just put your hand up to him. But Brother Brennan says, that's a supernatural act. It's between you and him. He said, Lord, I need you tonight. I want you to start, start playing with Ryan. Don't lose your vision of Jesus. This mantle has been placed on you, saints. I don't even... I've just been pondering. I was praying through, the, through these last couple of days. Lord, if the king walked in into the building tonight, would some be speechless? Would some be praising? Would some as Elisha came with that mantle and received the double portion, he took the mantle and he struck Jordan. And he said, where be the God of Elijah? I thought maybe tonight, who needs to take the mantle and strike? Strike cancer. Strike sickness. Strike a prodigal. And say, where be the God of Elijah? But Abraham says, look at their names, almost Elisha and Elijah. It's bride and groom. One of them is Mr. Jesus. The other one, Mrs. Jesus. That's the mantle you have received tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, I am not even certain of how to close tonight. Lord, the call went forth as you gave the parable. Lord, what a sobering time that would have been. As, Lord, you sought out that one that didn't have a garment on. Lord, and you said, friend, what are you doing without a garment on? That You could have came through the door. You had all the opportunity all through time that you were there on, on earth. Couldn't you have just came through Christ who is the doorway? Couldn't you have put on the robe that, that would have made you spotless and pure white? Oh, God, I thought tonight, Lord, if there'd just be one, Lord, that maybe would come to the realization that they aren't wearing a robe tonight. 
that they'd take the opportunity. Lord, that they'd say, I don't want my filthy rags to be on the spotlight at that time. I'd rather be in the spotlight this time. Oh, your prophet said, it may be a little embarrassing now, but it's better to be embarrassing now than then. Oh, God. Lord, we just want to mean business. Lord, with you tonight, we don't want to just come and leave church, Lord, the same. We want to be changed. Lord, if there's some here tonight, many, Lord, I know, that bear the robe of your Holy Spirit. They have accepted the token of your word. But, Lord, they maybe need to strike Jordan tonight. Maybe they need to, Lord Jesus, strike, Lord, with the mantle and receive the power that you gave us, Lord, in the Acts, verse 8, Lord, of chapter 1. Your promise is alive tonight. Lord, it doesn't have to be some big show, but it just has to be faith anchored, Lord, in a moments of time. Lord, I commit each one that lifted their hand to you. You know their heart. You know their need. Lord, you know their cry. I pray, Lord, they don't leave tonight as, Lord, the song was sung, what's your need? Lord, that they don't leave here tonight having not expressed their need. Lord, that they walk out of here that their lips did not say what their need was. And, and they confessing it, Lord, your prophet said, go and thank him. Go and confess. Oh, God, may that be the, the, the people's words tonight. Lord, that their lips would utter forth, maybe even with unknown tongues out of their lips, Lord, because they're desiring a mighty move of God. Oh, God, let your spirit so fall upon your people as we just, Lord, brood in your, in your presence tonight as we let you sweep, Lord, over our building now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's sing that song, Don't Lose Your Vision. Don't lose your vision of the altar's open I know it's a work night so I want you to just be mindful with the Lord Jesus I said don't lose your vision of Jesus leadership come follow me Elijah Elisha if you see me you'll have what you ask but keep your eyes focused on him Let's just sing, Come Holy Spirit, I Need You. And that's a song we haven't sung much. Come Holy Spirit, I need you. Maybe that's your prayer tonight. 
spirit resists it knowing that you desire to move in hearts Lord Satan would place on I know somebody's mind they got work you got work every day but tonight could be your call 
He said, well, I got to get up early in the morning. Is he worth a little bit of lost sleep? It's the battle we wage as humans. Lord, I pray, oh God, you stir our hearts, Lord. Lord, that your presence would brood, Lord. Tonight, those that have responded to your call, Lord, I pray, Lord, you never disappoint. Lord, whenever you've come on the scene to meet a need, you've never shortchanged anybody. So, Lord, they've come, Lord, heeding a call that you've screamed out of eternity. And they've responded, Lord, I pray for each one here at an altar, in their seats, or their hearts raised, their hands raised. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, souls would never be the same again. I pray tonight, Lord, that there be those that walk out of the sanctuary, that their bodies would never be the same again. Lord, that your healing power would start to move. And even in these next couple days, their bodies would seem to get worse. But your prophet said, that's the best sign that healing is on its way. Because life has been vanquished in the body. And that demon has been removed. And now it's shrinking. Oh God, may faith not wane, but may it surge at that moment. Oh God, Lord, you've given us so much. You've robed us. You've given us so much word. Lord, we're just waiting now in an in high expectation of what you'll do, Lord. And we'll just stay, Lord, and linger at your service. You can move and do as you desire and please. Lord, and may each one here, Lord, respond to the call. And Lord, I know they'll never regret when that wedding banquet and they cross over heaven's shores and they start walking down the banquet table and they start looking at the name tags and they start seeing name after name and suddenly they'll come across their name and they'll remember a service that Lord they said oh I'm so thankful that I beckoned and heeded to the call oh Jesus may it be real to them tonight oh God we just commit the people and Lord the evening and the remainder of it Lord, into your hands, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 You do as the Lord leads you. We'll just sing, I surrender all as you. Do as the Lord leads you now tonight. Oh, and all to Jesus. You're dismissed. Do as the Lord you feel to do. Oh, and